Loving sinners can lead to hating yourself. I'll explain right after this. That's what it is if they cause you to rewind. You keep Sometimes you keep praying. I left this church meeting confused and ashamed for trying to reconcile with an abuser. So what happened? Before I tell you, let me just say, peace, truth, tribe. If you're already a part of the tribe, if you are not, peace. I'm author, counselor, and coach Zara Harrison, helping you remember that love doesn't lie or expect you to live one. Why? Because we're not supposed to be a fool for love. Love is wisdom. And that wisdom, that divine wisdom, is so healing. Okay, so here is the story. This girl at my husband's church, who was my boyfriend at the time, seemed to really hate me. She didn't say it, but she would just do really nasty, terrible things to me, like ignore me or cut me off or isolate me from conversations. Or if she saw me getting close to some of the people at the church, she would interrupt and kind of like start talking to them about something else. She would stand in front of my husband with jeans that said fatty girl on the back of her behind. And she would bend over and just ironically had to pick something up in front of my husband. I'm very new in my understanding um, with the most high. So I didn't know how to deal with this person. All I'm being taught in that religion at the time, which was Christianity, was to love your enemies. And so I said, I'm going to write her a letter with hopes to resolve this unknown problem. I wasn't a counselor or anything like that yet. I didn't know she had her own problems, that I wasn't the problem. I'm feeling like I'm the problem because this institution kind of um, creates this idea that if something's wrong, it must be you first. And we should examine ourselves. It's appropriate to examine our hearts and ourselves, but abusive, toxic people, you got to be a little careful with them. So I write this letter to her and I'm asking the most high to give me the words to say, you know, I want to be gentle and I'm hoping to develop a relationship with her. And one of the lines I even said in the letter to her was something to the effect of, you know, maybe the enemy is trying to get in the, in the way of something you and I are supposed to uh, do together. Like maybe this relationship or this possible potential friendship could create some kind of fruit that the enemy doesn't want to happen. So I give her the letter. She looks at me like I'm strange and bizarre. Like, why are you giving me this letter? And I wait, I wait for her to read it. She didn't read it in front of me. She takes it and she's like, okay. So 
days go by and I don't hear anything. And I'm like, I'm thinking when I write this letter and I'm telling her, I hope that we can fix whatever the problem is. You know, I noticed that we don't seem to have a connection, but you are, you go to my, at the time, boyfriend's church. And I just want to have peace with the people that he finds connection with. And I'm like, I'm going to get a great response and we're going to fix it. And we're going to be friends and we're going to be like sisters, right? Instead of getting a response from her, I'm contacted by the pastor's wife requesting my presence at a meeting that had already been set up to confront me. I was told I did something inappropriate. So I'm like, what did I do? I'm like trying to go over in my, I had, I had multiple drafts of the letter I wrote her. I'm looking back, I believe at some of the drafts, like where did I do something wrong? Where did I say something wrong? Like what happened? Why are we having to have a meeting with a pastor's wife over a personal exchange that has nothing to do with the pastor's wife or the, or the church at large? This is between me and her. What in the world did I do? So I agreed to meet to come to this meeting. It was like four or five days later. I go to, do I need to take these glasses off? Can y'all see me? I'll take the glasses off. I go to the meeting, which was after a church service. And um, the pastor and the girl go upstairs ahead of me. And the pastor asked me to like give her, pastor's wife asked me to give her a minute. And I'm like, okay. So I wait a little bit and then I go up these creaky stairs into this room where the, they had children's church. So most of the children were in there. So the room was like a really open space, but it was really like old thrift store kind of looking furniture that I don't know if it was donated or whatever, just placed, you know, around the edges of the room, but the middle of the room was really open and I have to walk across this big wide open space to seat myself in one of these three seats so she's sitting there the pastor's wife is sitting there and I am like you know at this time I was very nervous um I had like a lot of social anxiety I didn't like talking in front of people if I if I didn't know you really well I would have a fear I would like feel like I couldn't breathe all the way. I would get like panicked and scared. I had like a real issue with that. So I'm walking over across this empty space. The room smells a little like mold. It was like um, on the verge of winter, really cold outside. And I'm wondering why in the world, like what could I possibly have to be confronted about that required the pastor's wife to sit here with me and her? Like, what did I do? So I sit down and I'm hopeful still to fix the issue and like gain a sister. I literally, I was so naive. I didn't see the signs. I couldn't read the room the way I can read rooms now. And I sit down very naive, like I'm about to gain a sister. <coughs> Excuse me. Whatever's going on, we're going to resolve it and we're going to fix it. No, I only left that meeting demonized for practicing what I'd read in the actual Bible and was told that it was inappropriate to write her a letter and that in um, 
in true Christianity, I should have confronted her face to face and that writing a letter is uh, not something that they deem acceptable. What? They wrote letters in the Bible. That's what the pages are full of. But we who believe the Bible can't do that. Was I a sinner because of my letter? Did my actions upset the most high the way it had upset them? I was so confused. I couldn't. I only wanted to reconcile with someone. But this is the difference. Reconciliation takes on a different face when it deals with an unrepentant person or it deals with an abusive or toxic person. It looks a lot different. And often when we're told to love a sinner, we're not taught how to do that because we cannot love them the same way that we love healthy people or we'll end up hating ourselves and abusing ourselves trying to do it. And that situation was the first of many times that religion would teach me that loving sinners often meant hating myself. And also that I was experiencing what some refer to as religious trauma. Others call it spiritual abuse. If you give me a minute, I will share three serious problems that spiritual abuse can cause. If you struggle with any of them, any of them, it could be due to religious trauma. And we're going to talk about that in one minute. Healing from hurt is a journey that sometimes can feel really terrible and even more scary to go at that alone. I know not just because I'm a counselor and coach today, but because I was there way before I found my way. And that's why I created the Truth Tribe Partner Journey to specially match like-minded souls who are already on their own personal healing journey and connect them through what I call self-care partnership. So that connection replaces what once was a very fearful, lonely trip. Your partner is waiting, so you don't have to heal alone anymore. Submit your info today for the chance to get matched with your self-care partner before the waitlist closes. Okay, so here are three serious after effects that religious trauma often causes you to struggle with. I mean, this is just like a constant struggle that you find yourself dealing with. One of those things includes fear. You always wonder whether Yah hates you and you rarely experience his love for you, but frequently expect his wrath even though you're not in direct sin. So you try to do things to gain a love that he's already given you when it's not even you who's chosen him. As we see in John 15, 16, I've had many religious people judge me for not doing my relationship with Yah the way they do theirs. Thankfully, I know his love now in a way that does not shame me into his approval anymore. Thankfully, Romans 14 
go and read that. Oh my gosh. It helped me tremendously, um, dealing with that. The, um, the constraints that people place on you, the preferences that people place on you, um, in order to have a relationship, a personal relationship with Yah. The second thing that people often struggle with that shows uh, religious trauma could be affecting them is indecision. So you've been groomed to believe that only certain people can hear from the most high and you are not one of them. So what happens? You often feel like you can't make a decision unless you get the approval of someone closer to him than you could ever be. You've already set yourself up to believe that you can't. It literally robs you of learning to hear the voice of the most high Yah for yourself. So much so that when John 10, 27 says this, that the sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me, I know them and they follow me, that the sheep that are my own, hear my voice, hear my voice. When you hear scriptures like that, confirming that hearing his voice for yourself is a part of relationship with him, it can't be true for you. Instead, you find yourself rehearsing that you don't know what that voice sounds like and you feel like you you can't even get there. Meditate on John 14, 26 to help you defeat that lie. I hope you take a few notes so that you can go back and look at their script, those scriptures. The third thing that often happens as an after effect of religious trauma is delusions. Delusions. You've been programmed to minimize abusive behaviors so much that you literally feel guilty for wanting abusive people to stop hurting you. Like you feel guilty for that. Like something's wrong with you that you don't want to be abused anymore. Their sins, the abuser's sins become your fault. And that sin becomes normalized. Your life is miserably the definition of Isaiah 5.20. Whoa, judgment is coming to those who call evil good and good evil. And the rest of this scripture talks about calling bitter sweet and sweet bitter, calling light darkness and darkness light. An after effect of religious trauma can cause you to believe that abuse is normal. Cause you to believe that good is is evil and evil is good delusional it's just backwards instead of believing scriptures like ephesians 5 11, which share that we are not supposed to participate in worthless and unproductive deeds of darkness but to instead what expose them expose them but oftentimes when you tell on somebody or you say what somebody's doing you are called evil Good is called evil and evil is called good, you know? And so you don't want to expose it <coughs> and it becomes really hard. So how do you move forward from that? 
Well, obviously you can talk with a counselor about the three things that we've already talked about that I've listed, but you can also complete a really simple exercise that I've created for you. And I'm going to show it on the screen and you can just take a screenshot or you can just draw it yourself. It's really pretty simple. So this is what the exercise looks like. You have these columns here in rows and you have the three things that we've talked about, fear, indecision, and delusions. On the top part, you're going to list a situation that you believe created fear in you as it relates to religion. And when I talk about religion, I'm not just talking about um, having a relationship with Yah. Those are two different things. Religion is a system. Relationship with the Most High is not a system. So I'm talking about an institutionalized system that creates controlling legalistic demands on you that uh, constitute that, that abuse is conducive to your belief. It's very dangerous. And so think about the first time that you felt fear. You know, often we will see people who say they love Yah promoting fear when scripture tells us I don't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. But they, they thrive on fear. And unfortunately, so many of us who are melanated, um, we have a lot of trauma. And so when we're not healed from that trauma, we just reproduce it. And um, that's why it's often uh, narcissists, for example, they love, 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 love um, religion because they're able to become leaders abuse and control people they feed off of the attention they get to feed their ego by being the only one who can hear from Yah. and you have to go to them to know what you're supposed to do from Yah. you're not supposed to know his voice bump that my sheep know you ask me and you'll know through me you'll know through what i say that's how you'll know what to do um they love that position of authority because they want to control so you'll find a lot of narcissists that thrive and lead and have leadership positions in religious constructs because they like that ego fed and they abuse people. So oftentimes when you were in a church system or any kind of religious system, um, I found even dealing with, you know, Hebrew Israelites, it's this, it's been the same thing. Um, that's why I don't attribute myself to certain sects or sects as S E C T S. Um, you know, camps or this or that, because anything that has that I have to be like you in order to be that thing is very controlling and dominant. And the most high does not love us in that way. He doesn't um, love us through domination and control. So that is something to really consider when you do this exercise. So go back and think about the first time that you felt fear. Think about currently when it comes to religion, not relationship with Yah, but um, religion. What are the fears that you have? If you start listing them, you can track back where they came from. Where were you hearing it? What? How was it presented to you? How was it given to you? Um, so list a situation and then under that list some adjustments that you can make. What are some things that you can change now that you are aware this exercise can basically give you an awareness of what is happening to you so that you don't just live in it. You're aware of it and you can, you know, I talked about in a post on YouTube community tab earlier today, as you think, so you are, if you don't process these thoughts, you're just going to become them. So think about, you know, what happened in a religious construct 
that made you feel a lot of fear? And how can you adjust that? What are some things you need to think differently about? What are some new decisions you might need to make when it comes to um, isolating yourself with others who live and thrive off of a fear-based construct? The next thing is indecision. Same thing. Think about, you know, a situation in religion that made you believe that you can only know what the most high is saying through another person. You have to get permission or approval to even go to the most high from them. What were some of those things that happened to you? What created that belief in you? And then underneath it, share what are some adjustments that you need to make so that you don't stay stuck and maintain this um, illusion of relationship with Yah, which is really just control. And then delusions. What situations happened that made you believe it was okay to minimize abuse instead of exposing wicked deeds? Abuse is wicked and it is not just physical abuse. It's spiritual abuse is real. When someone uses <coughs> uses religion to abuse you or promote or allow abuse. If a wife goes to say a pastor, for example, and says, my husband's beating me and he says, submit better. That is using your authority to promote abuse. That's not okay. Um, And so ask yourself about these delusions. Like, where did they come from? Where did you learn that minimizing abuse was quote unquote godly or quote unquote spiritual? And what are the adjustments that you need to make in your thinking so that you can correct that? Because it's really unhealthy and it actually pushes you further away from y'all because you walk around hating yourself. You deal with a lot of guilt. You deal with a lot of fear, shame, condemnation as an after effect of religious abuse. It basically can brainwash and groom you into um, living like a victim. It really can do that. So a lot of people don't like doing exercises like this. A lot of people don't like to even talk about stuff like this um, because they feel like, you know, oh, I'm kind of scared. I don't know what y'all might do. And, you know, it's such a taboo, touchy topic. Um, But it's important for us to to understand what's happening um, to us when we're being controlled by somebody else's perspective on how our relationship should be with the most high. Is repentance important? Yes, it's so important, but you should know repentance for yourself. You shouldn't be so far removed from knowing the voice of Yah that you don't even have a personal conviction. Somebody has to tell you you're doing wrong. My sheep know my voice. Do you know that voice for yourself? Or is that voice somebody else's voice who you feel like is above the most high that's making that person an idol? So I hope that this exercise um, will help you. I hope that you take a look at it and you'll do it um, because it's really my goal to help you get free from toxic mindsets and um, relationships. They really limit the um, the fruit of the Ruach Kakadesh or Holy Spirit um, operating in your life. And you'll find that you're actually living unto an idol. And you know we're not supposed to worship or serve idols. We can make men idols and they can become the voice of Yah instead of Yah's voice actually being the voice of Yah for us. Um, 
so that was brief. There are definitely other things that can contribute to um, an after effect of religious trauma. Sometimes these things may not be from religious trauma. It could be other things. But I just want you to do that exercise and think back of your experiences with religion, not Yah. Because that is the thing that often makes us feel like he hates us is because we think religion is Yah. So what this church or this camp or this assembly or whatever it did to us, we think, you know, that's Yah doing it to us. And he looks at us the way they do. And it can be really confusing. And with so much, so many unhealed people leading, it just promotes that delusion. Um, but yeah, share this video with someone and I, and I hope that you enjoyed this live. If you did enjoy this live, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe. Also get instant notifications when I go live because I've been hearing that YouTube is not telling y'all when I go live. So if you look in the description of this video, there is a Telegram link with the personal invitation to get notifications from me. Like I sent the people in there before this live that I was about to go live and then you will get them. Plus, like I said, be sure to share this video. You never know who it could help. Some people are in such abusive and, and not, it's not just physical, just mentally, spiritually, emotionally abusive surroundings and situations and thinking it's the most high. They're forfeiting their love to worship man in tradition. And it, it hurts my heart because some of them come this way and they're so broken and they don't know what to do and they feel guilt and shame and condemnation and all this because they don't wear head wrap and they don't they wore pants today and they do this and they did and it's just I don't what version should I read and then and they swear they're going to hell because they don't do every single thing right today the most hot whoa breathe just breathe one day at a time one step at a time and it just hurts my heart for people to live in such a hyper vigilant state and think that it's the most high. His spirit and the fruits of his spirit don't operate in that way. So share this video to help someone else. And I'm going to get ready to go. But before I go, I just want to say um, thank you to my Truth Tribe patrons. I'm going to try to do a better job and making sure that I say this at the end of the videos who helped me make free content, videos, exercises and resources for you, just like this video and this live that we did today all right y'all i'm gonna see y'all next time if you are not a part of truth tribe already visit zaraharrison.com slash truth tribe to connect you can look in the description for those links <coughs> and i'll see y'all next time peace truth tribe They always told me love's supposed to suffer long I looked it up in the lexicon It say that suffering actually means the act of being patient Have I been patient with you? And who is to decide when long is long enough? And what do I do when I feel I've had enough?